there's a passion for the pulpit rather than a passion for the pattern. Mm -hmm. And we have to have the pattern of godly biblical living, which then shows itself in leadership development. And it has really nothing to do with the pulpit. Mm. It has nothing to do with it. Yeah. And, and, And what I think most people will find the closer they get to the pastorate is that that is such a small component of the overarching theme of of the vocation. Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. We're so grateful for the time that you spend with us on the show. Uh, we love your listenership. Uh, we love all the encouraging words. Please continue to share what God's doing in your life with us. Um, it's really powerful for us to hear. Um, we want to encourage you to subscribe to the show, follow along on YouTube, uh, share episodes with your friends and family members, and and if you feel led, support us financially uh, in order to make sure that we continue to produce the content that you've come to love and, and also uh make that investment in LFBI and our students. But with all that, um, we have a really exciting and, and, and fun episode for you today. Now, as Christians, we all know that we can be easily enamored by talented people in our churches. Uh, we all can see the, the great public speakers and, and the people that are great in a crowd. And we say to ourselves, man, that person is talented. They're gifted. Man, that's someone that God can use. Um, we tend to, to be drawn to people who are well-spoken and are charismatic in their, their expression. Uh, we all think that way. We all are, 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 we, we're prone to thinking that way. We tend that direction. But the problem is that we often look to these qualities as the standard for leadership. And then we, we fail to prioritize the more significant criterion of biblical character. Today on The Postscript, uh, I have the privilege of interviewing my dear friend, Pastor Dan Renault of Living Faith in Lee Summit, Missouri. Dan is one of our faculty professors here at LFBI and is currently teaching the pastoral epistles class in the school. And uh, I've invited him to chat with us more about biblical leadership and the character associated with leadership that God has called us to. And so with that, Dan, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Yeah, glad you're here. Yeah. Doing all right? I'm great. Dude, it's good It's good to hang out. Yeah, it's good to be here. We just got back from the Certainty Conference not too long ago, and we talked a lot about character, um, about the character of leaders and things like that. You know, what are we handing off to the next generation was the theme. Um, and I think our conversation today is going to revolve around a lot of that same type of thing. Like, what, you know, what are we developing into our leadership? Um, you teach the pastoral epistles class. Um, this is a lot of what you talk about. Yeah, yeah, it's a very important, um, I think, class. I think it's a very important class, uh, not only for the pastors in our fellowship, but for growing leaders, uh, for pastors to see what they're looking for um, in the growing men that are surrounding them, but also mm-hmm. for the growing leaders as they're maybe aspiring, I don't know if that's the right word, but yeah. but uh, wondering and considering whether that's something that God has for their life. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, I, I actually love teaching the class, so yeah. it's, it's a good time. Well, you do a good job, and, and our students come back semester after semester saying that they learned a lot. And and, uh, and like, you know, we often say um, in LFBI, there's just so many young men and women who want to be a part of church planting. They want to be leaders in their churches. They're zealous to follow the Lord. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like 
we were just talking about in the intro, I think it's really common for people to model themselves after the things that are performative and look great on the outside, but then neglect the work uh, that deals with the inner man. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Everything we have is, is you know, a single individual standing before, very gifted, or we have a, a worship set that was outstanding, and, and we can begin looking for what appears to be the external things of mm-hmm. like, wow, well-spoken, like you were saying, mm-hmm. or uh, talent or gifting. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think... Uh, the Bible gives us better instruction. Yeah, you know, and I think there's it's it's a good thing to to see an individual who inspires you and and consider how they are properly expounding the Word of God and, and thinking, man, I, I think I could learn from that guy. Right, that, that's fantastic. But I think we have a biblical model that we can really um, search out and allow God to use us individually, mm-hmm. like how we've been gifted and how you know we have been um, gifted of the Lord. Yeah. So. We're going to talk about vigilance primarily today, mm-hmm. but um, but let's start in 1 Timothy chapter 3. I know that this is something that you've already taught this semester, and it's something that's you know been on your heart a lot. Um, let's walk through the qualities of uh, that we find in 1 Timothy 3, and, and I'm going to ask that you explain to us why why these qualities are really, you know, entry-level leadership qualities that, you know, I think in our churches, we're all looking for different things in our leaders. You know, you want a children's leader who is charismatic. If they're boring, they're not going to be good at that job. And so if they're going to pastor over student ministry, they should probably be prone to to dealing with, you know, there are qualities that we look for in leaders that are good and they're fine. They're extra biblical, yeah, but they're right. fine for yeah, our churches. Yeah. But there are entry-level qualities that really deal with character. And First Timothy 3 lays out a lot of that for us. Yeah, it does. And and um, we'll, we'll look at that passage in just a second. So 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, Paul is speaking to two pastors, mm-hmm. two young pastors, but men that he trained up, Timothy and Titus, and uh, he's speaking directly to them. These are, these are personal letters that are to, to these, these, these men who are they're following the Lord. They're, they're hauling water, you know? Mm-hmm. And Paul has some, some direct instruction for them. Uh, and in chapter 3 of 1 Timothy and Titus 1, the instruction deals with what they need to be looking for. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it's we have questions as to how to do ministry or or how to deal with with growing leaders, and not surprisingly, the Word of God gives us an answer. Paul is is sharing with these young men, hey, th- these are the things that you want to look for, the base level things uh, for appointing a bishop or a deacon. Mm-hmm. And so you see that in in First Timothy three, and I know in this context this might be a little bit of a longer passage, but I think it, it yeah. It bears reading. In 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, it says, This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy and filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity, For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Great question. Mm -hmm. Not a novice, verse 6, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Mm. And so it's clear when when you see this list, and we can just kind of fire through those like I just did, but what we see is that the leaders of God's church must be proven. When, when Paul was speaking to Timothy, he was saying, hey, these are the things that you need to look for before you ever put a, a guy in a position of authority within the, within the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. 
verse six, I, I think, even though it's just one of the, the many that's listed in this passage, it really, it shows us that our leaders can't be new in the faith. Right. Now, but we were tempted when someone has, you know, ability. One of my student ministry directors, uh, he was going to a church before he he came to ours. I don't even know if he was saved. I, I think he might not have been saved, but, yeah. but he was going to a church. He knew how to play drums. And it was either the first or second week they oh, asked yeah. him to join on the stage to lead worship. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, man, what a... You could have really hurt him. Yeah. And you would have probably hurt the church as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gives them, the, the, the growing leader, the illusion that they're further along or that they're more mature or that they've achieved something. Uh, long before they even either, you know, in this case, maybe even knew Christ. I, and I think this is a common thing. I think we it often is. in the church um, accelerate the growth of an individual because we see some sort of outward uh, possibility or um, we believe that they're they're gifted, maybe even in a fleshly or right. worldly sense of that word. These are, they're skilled or they're naturally prone to something. And then we accelerate their growth and it, and it generally... Uh, speaking bites us in, in it, the rear. It, yeah, it is an external showing mm-hmm. of a spiritual conversation. We're mm-hmm. looking with with temporal eyes uh, in a, in an area that is really needful for us to slow down, right? And and walk through these things. And yeah. our leaders aren't doing that. Mm. Our leaders aren't considering that. The, yeah. the pastors of churches aren't doing that. And so, and then we wonder why we have a counseling ministry instead of a discipleship ministry. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's and it's. It's quite concerning. Yeah. And so he he gives us this list, and, and verse 6 says, not a novice, otherwise they will be lifted up pr- with pride. And, and my main concern is, number one, you're going to hurt them. Like, like I'm, I'm actually a steward of this flock that God has, 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 has given to me as, as an overseer, as a bishop, mm-hmm. but I'm going to hurt this individual. And then not only that, they might end up hurting others as well. Right, because of a decision I made, because I had to shortcut what was right. clearly given as expectations or qualities that we need to see in individuals who are going to lead, and and obviously we're talking about bishops, but we can see how this principally applies to anyone who's going to shepherd or yes. oversee yeah. or lead in some context. And so, First Thessalonians five twenty one, you know, it says, "Prove all things." Yeah. Prove all things. Hold right. fast right. to right. that which is good. And you know what you're talking about? It reminds me of this kind of broader conversation that LFBI itself kind of addresses. And that is that seminaries produce people who are, um, have been trained for maybe the work, the ap- academic work or the intellectual work of pastoring or, mi- or missions or church planting. But oftentimes um, they don't really address the character of the individual. And so this person graduates, they go off, they get a job, maybe they're or- ordained in a church somewhere. And then eventually they make their way and, and your church gets their resume and, and hire someone that they don't even know, right? Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting to me that so many churches are in the habit of hiring people. They don't even know whether or not that person uh, meets these character qualifications right. or not, but they're looking at a resume and they say, well, there's someone who ordained them once upon a time. Someone must, they look sharp. must have, and they look sharp. They're impressive. Yeah. And then we invite them in to lead our church and, and again, like you alluded to, uh, so often we see in the pastorate, we see so many pastors failing in the work and, and leaders that are ultimately just novices who've never proven, never proven out their ministry in any way whatsoever. And whose fault is that? Yeah. That's, that's the generation that was, that was prior. Yeah. That was, mm-hmm. that's, that's us, yeah. right? And so when I see a situation like that and I'm 
you use the word enamored mm-hmm. by a certain talent. Uh, well, well, that's on me because I'm looking with the wrong eyes. Mm-hmm. And so then I'm actually looking at what they know rather than than what they are applying. Mm-hmm. Character is not, it has, it really has little to do with what you know. Now, there's evidence that there needs to be an, a knowledge base and an understanding, not a novice, all those things. But, but character is about living out. It's about mm-hmm. applying the word of God. And so a resume doesn't cut it. Observation does. Yeah. I can watch someone and say, wow, I can see. This is why the local church yes. is so important compared to us shipping off our, our, right. our kids to, yeah. to Bible schools and, 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 you know, and God bless them. But I can watch. I can watch a person as they've come in the doors, getting saved, follow, following the Lord and believer's baptism, beginning a process where they're, they're obeying the word of God, putting what they know mm-hmm. into practice. There's an application, and I can say, wow, this person is yeah. not exhibiting that they're smart. I could care less. Right. They're exhibiting that they're applying what God has shown them. Mm-hmm. And so the text shows us, Paul is showing us by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that we need leaders who are fit. They're fit for the role, which means they've exercised what God has shown them. And I can see it. Mm-hmm. You can see it. Yeah. It's not It's not something like, look at this guy. Yeah. Look, look at what he's done. Yeah. He wrote a book. Or, or, it's right. like, sure. man, I could write a book. Right. You know, like, okay, yeah. I'm not saying it would be good. It could even be great. Yeah. It doesn't mean I've done it. Right. And it doesn't mean it was modeled. And so there's something about in the local church observing the next generation coming up and being able to... to take it from this list and say, wow, this guy meets it. Mm -hmm. He meets the qualifications. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're absolutely right. And one of the things we're going to address today was how to ensure that, 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 that these qualities are developed in people, that it Mm -hmm. is the responsibility of the local church, not just to observe it, but to instill it as well. Yeah. And I think we're going to be talking about that today. So we're going to be speaking about being vigilant. Uh, We're going to focus in on that, that one quality in particular, you and I, uh, you spoke at the the college and young adult uh, retreat, mm-hmm. you know, a month or two ago, and we were in the car, and you were talking about how much this word and this concept was impressed upon your heart. And when we were talking, I was just like, "Oh, well, we ha- we should we should do an episode about this. This is something that we should talk about." Um, so, would you define for us what vigilance is, or what it means to be vigilant? And uh, you know, as we are prone to do. Uh, use the word of God to show us where this word shows up and, and what we can learn yeah. from, you know, when we compare scripture with scripture about what it means. Yeah. And, and even before, you know, we can get into that, I would say that this is a conversation that we're having in pastoral epistles right now. But but even more than that, even before that, foundations too. Yeah, that's I mean, true. I mean, foundations too. We are, we are talking about not just vigilance, but we're talking about all of the character yes. qualities um, that help us. And, and that's right out of the chute. I mean, mm-hmm. we start off from yeah. foundations too. So right. I'm not trying to give like a plug, um, <laughs> no, although you, can, you probably want me to give yeah, a plug. You're, you're allowed to do that okay, on the show. Okay. <laughs> but but pastoral epistles and um, and foundations too, the, those two uh, classes, they're going to give a much right. you know more thorough conversation about this topic. We're going to talk about one of them. Yeah. And like you were saying, it's something that's been impressed upon my heart in regards to leadership development. There's so much more, mm-hmm. obviously, but um, but anyway, I just want to say yeah. that because that protects us from the charisma and the intellect, and 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 we say stuff like, "Man, if this guy got saved, he could give God so oh, much." Man, and I'm thinking, like, everyone could, <laughs> like, like, 
But but that yeah. shows us that we're looking on the outside. We're respecters of men. Yes, yeah. yes. And and so as we become Bible believers and as we apply what we know from the scriptures and the character qualities list that we have in First Timothy 3 and Titus 1, that protects us. Mm-hmm. And now, man, man, he really is impressive. Let's right. just see if he's applying what he knows. Right, yeah, for you sure. Know? And yeah. it just protects us. So yeah. anyway, um, vigilance, it only comes up twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1 Timothy 3, verse 2, which I which I already read, um, and then 1 Peter 5, 8. And, mm-hmm. and we could read that. Um, 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, be sober, be vigilant. Interesting that sober and vigilant are always yes. next to each other. Yes, yeah. Um, we could even go further in our conversation to add that to to the dialogue. But, right. but be sober, be, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And so the first mention of this word is in 1 Timothy 3, and it's associated with that of the characteristics of a bishop. I should pay attention to that, right? right? The second mention and last mention of the word is saying, you need to be vigilant because you got an enemy, a roaring lion, who's seeking to devour. Mm -hmm. Like, Like that's on his mind. Right. His agenda, I'm going to devour. He's, He's looking for it. It's not like, oh, maybe... He's seeking for it. Yes. And so we need to be men and, and we need to be full of churches who are who are leaders who are vigilant in the work because we have an adversary. And and so what you find with this, if we're allowing the word of God to define itself, the context of that passage, we see that that to be vigilant is to be watching and observing, that that you are were aware. And so a person who's vigilant. Sometimes we have, uh, um, you know, kind of. I think of a made-up, you know, um, definition mm-hmm. of the word, but it really it's it's that I'm watchful and, yeah. and I'm observant. And in the context of this passage, the individual is watching on behalf of the flock. Yeah, they're they're they're, they're protecting the flock, knowing that there's an enemy, a lion, who is seeking to devour the sheep. Mm-hmm. And so I need to be aware. Like one of the first things that that a growing leader or a pastor needs to think of is I need to be aware that there's an enemy. Mm-hmm. I got to be aware of that. I have to, I have to pay attention to that. Yeah. When you look at the, the same Greek word, and I, I know we have in our English Bibles, we have everything that we need, but if you, if you study this out and you see that it's translated, that word vigilance translated as watch or wake, mm-hmm. like, like to, to be watchful or to wake up, right? Like to be vigilant is to, have you ever th- heard, heard that? Like, like, wake up, wake up. Yeah. You're already awake, but it's right. like, be alert, Aware, awareness. be aware, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so we see that there's a true need for the pastor to be um, not only a good preacher. I, and I think that's, and that goes back to that that thing that sometimes we're enamored by, mm-hmm. by individuals who just can charm us with their words, mm-hmm. you know? And I think sometimes we're, and I think sometimes in churches, we're looking for good preachers instead oh, yeah. of good pastors. Right. And I, I, I've said it to you many times, I'd rather be a good pastor than a good preacher. And, yeah. and I, I'm hoping that I can be both, but, mm-hmm. but, but man, I really want to be a pastor who is aware and, and, and cognizant of the fact that there is an enemy, not just on my own life, but on the, life, on the lives of the people in the flock. And so, yeah. but that means though, when you're looking and you're aware that there's a, a lion lurking it means that when, I, when I'm vigilant, I'm aware of my surroundings. 
Like, like I'm, I'm aware of the surroundings in my life and I'm, and I'm watching over the flock. And, and, and in the most literal sense of this word, I'm awake. Yeah. I'm awake. Yeah. And I think that's a really important thing for our growing leaders. It's not that, that I'm spending all of my time studying for the next message. I should really do that. Mm-hmm. I, should, I should spend a lot of time. I should, I should, I'm, I'm looking to prepare a feast, really. You know, I'm, I'm, hey, church, let's come together. Let's study the word. Mm-hmm. Let's look at it. This is going to be a great time. I'm, I'm praying that, that I can be used of God to feed the flock right. of God, right? right. They, they can leave knowing the instructions of, of the Lord, of the time that I've spent with him. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. Yeah. But that's, that's one, it's a critical aspect. Sure. But that's one aspect of what it means to be a pastor. Right. One of the, one of the character qualities is that I need to be vigilant, which means I need to wake up, mm-hmm. not just in my, in my time in the Word, which I think many of us focus on, but my time with people, my time actually in the building where we assemble, my time when I'm, when I'm you know, with my family, when, when I'm in my city, mm-hmm. I need to wake up. Yeah, I like what you're saying because... Um, you know, I, I often, you know, a lot of times people will replace the word pastor with preacher. You know what I mean? So oh, like yeah. they might address you like, hey, hey, preacher. Yeah. And I think it's more common in the South. Like we're, when we're at the churches in the South, it's, it feels like I get called preacher more often. But the thing about preaching is it's a, I, I believe that there's a gifting associated with teaching and preaching and, and, and being able to declare prophetically the God's word, you know. Uh, but I think... Um, that it's a skill that someone can learn and often um, do without power. <laughs> like, like it can be faked, it can be feigned, it can be, oh, it's a skill man. that's developed and then you step and you can say words that you never, that don't mean anything in your heart, right? So preaching is interesting in that it's critical. Um, it has to be done. It has to be done the right way. Um, it's a huge part of what the pastor does or the leader maybe even does. But ultimately leadership is the the role of the pastor is much more critical because I preach for an hour and a half, right? Oh, you know, a week, yeah. if that, yeah. if that. I study for maybe eight to ten hours to prepare prepare for that, so it consumes my time. Yeah, right. But what I do from day to day is I engage with people in the power of the Spirit. At least I hope, right? And that's where the work of pastoring or tending or or shepherding or or um, the, these qualities that we're talking about come into play. And if you aren't aware, if you're not awake, if you're asleep, if you're drowsy... And you're just checking the boxes. The flock that you're preaching to will get devoured. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the, the people that you're so intentionally wanting to preach to right. will be devoured because you haven't, the rest of the week, you weren't watchful. And how many pastors do we know that we've talked to and they've, they've come to us and, and, and they're hurting? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're hurting and you grieve. Yeah. Like you're grieving with them. And they and they tell you the ministry, and you're just sitting there and you're thinking, man, this is hard. This is horrible. And you're and you're scrambling for for ways to counsel and give them encouragement. And it and it's difficult because it looks like they're doing everything right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not here to to, to right. place judgment, but sure. but I think a lot of times it's because they're not vigilant. Mm-hmm. Now, are they are they studying the word? No, there's and they're spending tons of time, but they're not aware. Yeah. of what the flock needs or alert or mm. or concerning their surroundings. They they may be a little bit off in the context of their particular um, congregation. And it's just a, it's a critical thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's a hard thing to gain. I think we've had the privilege of being around men 
I think we've been around both kinds of, of leaders, but I think you and I have had the privilege of being around around men who were just really good pastors, right? Mm-hmm. Just guys that were that stayed late, that sat with people in the pew, uh, and you watch them. You watch them do that. Uh, they're they're prone to the invitation when someone comes forward wanting to speak with them. They're prone to weeping with people who weep. They're, they're not pr- disappearing in the office. Right. They don't disappear. They don't walk yeah, away. Yeah. They're not. They're not hiding away. Um, but they're devoting themselves to the relational aspects of ministry. And this is really where uh, this idea of vigilance comes into play. But, but beyond that, but, you know, we're gonna, I think we're going to really investigate that as we continue in our conversation. But I do want to point out the fact that, that you know, vigilance is this act of being aware of the spiritual state of the people and the world around you, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but it also demands like a personal response right? Like vigilance is also has something to do with how you perceive yourself or how you understand yourself or how you assess where you're at spiritually. And I, I was hoping that you would speak to that because I know that you'd mentioned this previously. Yeah. And I would say, you know, Ephesians 5, 4 through 16, it says, wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Mm. If I'm ever going to give that message to someone else, it has to be true of yeah. my life. Right. And when you when you start thinking about, hey, and we can say it's time to wake up and and man, we could read so many passages that, that tell us, you know, um, you know, it's it's the night, but we need to be children of the light, mm-hmm. be, you know, act and behave as children of the day. Everyone else is sleeping but not you. Yeah. Right? We need to wake up. Um but man, if I'm going to if I'm going to instruct that then I really need to consider that word circumspect, right? Mm-hmm. And how to how I am walking circumspectly. And you know, if you look at the the etymology of that word, it literally means to look around, mm-hmm. like to to look around. And so, you know, I need to be not only looking around, but I need to be looking around the 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 four corners of my heart. I need to be circumspect in my walk, um, both in a physical manner but in my own, in my, my, in my mm-hmm. own life. And so I think if the more we understand that it's not just an outward observation, like, okay, be vigilant, you know, I'm, I'm aware, I'm right. circumspect, but, yeah. but it's not just an outward observation, but it begins inwardly. And so I need to, I need to be watchful of my own behavior first and foremost. Right. And we know too many stories where a pastor wasn't doing that, whether there's an immoral failure or just they become completely disconnected, mm-hmm. you know? And you know, you get an example of the pastor who stayed late and, and those things, and and that's not so that the pastor does it all. Right. And I think some churches will be like, "Well, yeah. you have a problem." Right. There's the right. line. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the he's providing the pattern. Yes. And, and he's saying, no, "This is what we do." Yes. And so you have a growing leader, and they look at that guy, and they're thinking, "Maybe I should stay late." Yeah. I don't want to. I want to go to bed. Right. Right. But the pastor's doing it. Mm. And I know that that I'm a part of this work. I'm a part of this church. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sit in the front row too. Mm-hmm. And to that same point, it's funny. Like if you turn it around and you make it less external and more internal, um, there's how early are you going to wake up to be with the Lord, right? Or how how late are you willing to stay up to be with mm-hmm. God? And it's it's funny because it works in our own personal life too. Like what are you willing to sacrifice in in order to enter the pattern? Mm-hmm and be aware or circumspect of what's really going on in your heart. And it isn't just about, like you said, you know, not, not just about seeing it. It's not good enough to just see it. 
mean, we see all the problems in the church. People see all the problems in the church and the things and the needs. They see them, yeah. but then they never feel compelled to to meet the need of that thing that they see. And the same thing is true inwardly. Absolutely. We, have, we have to see it, Yes, but we can't just see it. I mean, there's so many people I sit down to counsel with when they assess themselves personally. Um, they're not vigilant because they can see the problem, but they aren't ever really willing to address it. They're just, they're just they're like, yeah, I know what's the problem. It's not the knowledge. Right. And usually sometimes we have to lead them there, but it's mm-hmm. not the knowledge, it's the application of right. what they know, which... Yeah. Is a character issue. Mm-hmm. That's that's a, a character issue. Now, I think for the shepherd, we we must the the overseer, you know, the pastor, but even our men who who are desiring to be that, and our ladies who are who are leading in, in that context mm-hmm. as well. Um, we have to take account. We have to take account whether or not um, we are possessing that proper biblical character. Uh, that there's a careful consideration. Mm-hmm. That I'm 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 carefully considering. I'm examining myself whether I'm in the faith, right? And not just teaching it. Because here's the thing, you know, over time you can you can believe whether it's true or not. You can believe I got a few of these things understood. And then you can go on, you know, you know, pilot. This is, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like this this automatic and that's very dangerous. Yeah. Because you're not alert. Yeah. There needs to be a reproving and correcting work mm-hmm. of God's word in your life. And uh, so we're, we have to be circumspect as it concerns the book, and that's really what ultimately allows us to make character changes and, and transform. Yeah, Romans 13, you know, says in verse 11 and 12, and that knowing the time that it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. When when I live, when I minister this way, when, when I'm living Romans 13, I'm going to know when the enemy attacks. Mm-hmm. I'm going to know when 1 Peter 5, 8, there's a, there's a lion lurking. Mm. And you've known that. And, and mm-hmm. sometimes God, he gifts us and he lets you go through the hard time before the church does. Mm. It's no fun, but you're going through a season, it's a drought, or it's just difficult, or there's something going on in your in your head, your heart, and, and you're wrestling with the Lord a little bit. And it's, and it's kind of his, his grace because he's giving you the answers Yeah, because he knows that, hey... Your church is gonna gonna go through these things, and and so, man, if I can if I can learn the lessons first, mm. and I know the enemy's approaching, then I can actually do a better job in my warning ministry. Yeah, not I can just be a blowhard preacher, right? Right. That's just you know, you know, saying a bunch of stuff, which right. I think is also a poor definition of preaching. The word preaching, preaching in the Bible deals with repentance. Mm. The context of preaching is dealing with repentance. We've made it an office. Mm. Now, the office is, is the office of a bishop, and there's right. there's pastors and teachers. Preaching is the activity that all of us should be a part of, and all of us should yeah. be a part of proclaiming right. the gospel. It's For a sure. it's a repentance ministry. Right. Anyway. Yeah. No. We but, but, we abuse but, God's words all the time, and, and we but yeah. we make it wrong, and so then we we have this wrong context of the warning ministry. Mm-hmm. No, you're just yelling a bunch, right? Because you think that gets something accomplished, mm-hmm. and I think, man. I don't know any relationship where that's profitable. Husband, wife, dad with kids. Why would that be the thing that we should always be looking for mm, with the church? That's a great point. We need fathers. We need, mm-hmm. we need, now dad has to sometimes say, listen, enough. Yeah. And I'm going to show you why. And I'm, I'm going to walk through the scriptures and say, this is not okay. That's preaching. There's a, we have to turn around. Mm-hmm. Right, but there needs to be such a, a fatherly component. And the only way I can know that is if I'm alert with my own life. It's mm, good. And so that watchful eye, right, that, that 
that you want to have on, and you, and, and you want to, you want to be a help for younger believers. You, you got to start that with you. And so, mm-hmm. I think too often pastors are looking for their next message, and the reality is, is that we have to be aware of our surroundings. We've we've got to be, and and that's multifaceted. Um, but but literally, one of those is when we meet. You need to be aware. You need to be present. You need to you need to be able to discern by 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 God's Holy Spirit the state of the flock yeah. when you meet and and when we don't meet when we're when we're scattered throughout the week. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you when when you come together. This is we only have it once, twice, three times a week where where the whole church is coming together. Man, pastor, pay attention. Yeah, growing leader. This is not just for you to you know chow down. This is for you to be circumspect. Yeah, walk in. Walk circumspectly. Be be prepared to hear the word of God, but look for opportunities to where you can protect and warn and uh, and shepherd. So you know when a young man comes to you and says, "Hey, I believe that God's called me to <clears throat> church planting or to the pastorate or to missions," or um, you know, you know, I believe I'm supposed to be on the field somewhere or I'm supposed to serve in a, in a greater leadership capacity within the church or or whatever that calling looks like, and and. To some degree, a, a woman might say, "Hey, I, I'm called to leadership in the church. I just want to mm-hmm. lead and I want to and make an investment that's meaningful." But when you hear someone say that they have this calling, or you see that they're compelled towards leadership, uh, we begin to hold them to to the standard of leadership, right? We we begin as pastors and leaders in the church, established leaders. We want to hold them to that standard. Can you tell me what that means for you and your ministry and scripturally? What does it mean to hold someone to the standard of vigilance in the context of ministry? Well, and, and you're saying we want to hold them to that standard before they're in that role, mm-hmm. you know, which is what you were alluding to. Yes. Uh, it's not positional leadership. It's servant leadership. Uh, too often it's like, man, I can't wait till I'm a pastor. Mm-hmm. Then start acting like one. Right. Like I remember when when I was ordained, um, nothing of my ministry changed. Now right. now the office was present, and the and it, it was beneficial for the church to know that there was another pastor at Midtown Baptist Temple. Yeah, I represented another who was authority. available. You can come to this individual. Um, I had been proven out all those things. The pastors saw it fit that it was needful for the ministry here. But my my ministry was the same yeah. because I was doing those things. Prior, mm-hmm. now was it beneficial for me? Yes, it was very much so, and it was good for the body of Christ. But what you were saying, I, I think, is important because I think sometimes, like, well, I can't wait till I get the pulpit, mm-hmm. or I can't wait till it's like, well, then do it now. Mm. But you don't need the pulpit; you just need you need a conversation, yeah, in, in your life, at your work, right. uh, in the small group that you're in, Proper, properly shepherding the relationships that you currently have. And so I think you can't say it enough, but, but our guys, I'm just thinking about, I'm thinking about this for my own church, like, like the, the stewardship that I have, that this is, this is, this is one of the things that I'm, I'm really looking for in the leaders at Living Faith is, um, is this one word vigilance, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and how that, that gets played out. Well, I want men who are aware of their surroundings. I know I've said that uh, four or five times already, but yeah. But but they can't just come in and because they're gifted and they can speak and then they leave and everyone's wowed by it. Great. Yeah, but they're completely aloof to the needs right, right. of the people in front of them. Which yeah. is then actually not helping me. No. I, I need no. an extension of my Yeah, of you don't need reach. another preacher. You're doing that. No, no. <laughs> you, need, you need someone to help in tend fact, the flock. In fact, we could probably use less of that and yes. more pastoring. Yeah. More shepherding. Yes. I mean, we, we, 
you and I were laboring in the word mm -hmm. for hours on end. And then just be like, okay, cool. That was great. Next service, yeah. next message. And, and that's all good. And, and I think right. there's a benefit for having fellowships. I really do. But no, I think we need more, more shepherding. And so mm -hmm. to me, I want to see whether my men and women in, in the context of the, of, the, of the ministries that God has given to them as well, small groups, discipleship, counseling, um, leading in worship in, in particular areas, mm -hmm. uh, children's ministry, all these different functions. But I want... I want them to, when they see problems, like when when they when they see problems in the church. How many times have you have you had someone come up and like, well, there's the church is really da da da, mm -hmm. and in your mind you're thinking, what are you going to do about it? Right. You're right. We're pretty bad at that. Yeah. We fail yeah, all maybe, the time. At that. Maybe you see that for a reason. Yeah, because God yeah. is is giving you the spiritual vision to be part of the solution. Mm -hmm. And so, but I want to see guys who who they see problems that need to be taken care of. And they're willing to take the initiative yeah. to fix it, like that. They're, huh? That's a problem. Mm -hmm. Why is there? Why, why? Why is this that way? Why is that that way? I don't know, man. That's a great question. Mm -hmm. We we need we need men, and, and and this isn't just philosophic. You know, this isn't just like you know. I'm just praying for this, and hopefully, I can see right. it. This is evidential. Mm -hmm. You can see the evidence of this in your growing leaders, whether they're doing that or not. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. We're going to pause right here for just a second so we can hear from one of our students from the Living Faith Bible Institute. Hi, my name is John Scott. I go to Northside Baptist Church in Columbus, Ohio, and I'm an LFBI student. LFBI is spectacular. It's an institute that is taught by pastors as opposed to professors, people who are actually in the ministry with their feet on the ground in the dirt, making disciples, evangelizing, and actually loving people. And it's the best resource out there for any sort of Bible teaching. In my life, I've used many of the classes. One in particular is the evangelism class. After going through the course, I was able to transform by God's grace the whole method and the, and the whole process of the Bible study where it is more evangelistic and we're able to actually reach out to people and then actually study the Bible together. It's something so simple. But man, it's, it's because of LFBI that that changed. Now, now we're able to plug that into an evangelistic ministry that we have out of our church. So I couldn't recommend LFBI more. To enroll for classes, visit lfbi.org. To support LFBI, please visit lfbi.org support. You know, I have young men in my ministry. There's a lot of, I mean, thankfully, who have a call on their life at some level. Um, the Lord will reveal over time what that means. Uh, but they're they're adamant that they want to lead. And a lot of times what that translates to is uh, a zealous um, desire for opportunities to teach. Mm -hmm. And so they'll say, you know, I just would really love more preaching opportunities. They're just not enough. Well. I need more reps. Yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. And, and okay, great, valid, v valid. Um, Let's work on that. Let's find more ways to give you opportunities to to stretch that um, aspect of your of your development. But the questions I, that I I always ask, I find myself asking, even just over this last week with young leaders, is how are your studies in God's Word going? You know, how, what are your grades like in LFBI? You know, how far along are you coming along in your study? So there's like kind of a there's a academic but knowledge oriented aspect to that. You know, the the Bible teaches us to value knowledge. Um, but then I ask, okay, you know, I'm looking for these character qualities. Do you have them? Mm -hmm. 
Um, and are you fruitful? Like, like I'm looking for fruit. Like I'll know whether or not um, you are built for the task that you're, you say you're called for. If I can see that type of fruit following behind you in your life, there's so many guys and, and women as well, I, I assume, that want to be a part of church planting. They want to be a part of missions. They want to, and all of those are right. All those are good things, but they get a misconception that that means that um, you're going to entrust them or they should be entrusted with some sort of responsibility, a promotion, uh, a new title. Like, just give me, if you could just give me a new title, I'll know I'm headed the right way. Well, no, no, no that's not about that. And that's positional leadership. It's positional leadership. Yeah. Show, show, show me where the, where virtue in your life is. Yeah. I want to see virtue. I want to see power. I want to see God's divine power, God's divine hand on, on what you're doing. And that'll tell me whether or not you're praying or you're studying his word. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much to learn from, from observation. And I think so many young leaders are just completely unaware that they, I'll know who they are when I see them counseling people, uh, crying and, and investing and, and encouraging and, and people are becoming or following in ministry just the way they are. Like, but that's absolutely right. But I don't, you know, so often I don't see it. I don't see it. And it's a, it's a, it's a problem and it's, it's hard to address because you hate to tell a young leader, like, look, you're not you're not quite who you think you are. And, and yeah, and, and people say they, you know, and we're just maybe belaboring this, but but people want the pulpit, but they they need to see the pattern mm-hmm. and they need to become the pattern. Mm-hmm. If, if you want the opportunity, and it's a good thing to desire the office of the bishop, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But this is something that you believe is a calling, which we say that word somewhat too, too flippantly. Mm-hmm. But you you want opportunities to to preach and teach and, whether it's a pride issue or not, you know, we can get to the weeds of that. Um, I just want to see if the pattern of Christian living is evident in you. Right. And not only the pra- pa- pattern of Christian living, but the pattern that Paul presents us for the leadership of God's church, the character qualities, is that present? And then instead of asking, I just want to see evidence of it. Yeah. And then when I see evidence of it, I'm, I'm probably going to put you in a position where, where, hey, listen, the church needs to follow the lead of this individual, not positional leadership, but servant leadership. Right. They need to follow it because this individual is hauling the water. Mm-hmm. They're doing it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, and I think that's a failure on, on us, you know, in some ways that we're not making that as clear, you know, and and maybe the structure of our churches, we, we do things where we need to be more clear in, in helping people along that path. But but historically, we see it. Mm-hmm. There's a passion for the pulpit rather than a passion for the pattern. Mm-hmm. And we have to have the pattern of godly biblical living, which yes. then shows itself in leadership development. And it has really nothing to do with the pulpit. Mm. It has nothing to do with it. Yeah. And, and, and what I think most people will find the closer they get to the pastorate is that that is such a small component of the overarching theme of, of the vocation. Mm-hmm. It really, 50, really is. It's 52 weeks and maybe you got midweek services and, 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 you know, you're, you're teaching LFBI or, uh, you know, some type of discipleship relationship. And I get it. It's not just 52 mm-hmm. weeks, but, but, um, how much is it? Conversation, phone calls, texting, uh, counseling issues, visioning, meeting with your growing leaders. Yep. That's pastoring. Yeah, it really is. Uh, and that's a pattern. And, and you want to not only see that pattern from your own pastor, but see how you can emulate it in your own life. Yeah. You yeah. see your pastor sitting out on the front pew 
praying with someone. Maybe that's actually what this is about. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is about that and not craving, you know, this thing, which we call church planting mm-hmm. or being a missionary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, if you're not willing to do that here, yeah, let's let's stop the conversation right now because you're not aware of your surroundings. Yeah, you're certainly not aware of me. You're not you're not following my lead. Like, well, well, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. <laughs> but, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and so it's just it, there's a we're we're missing that in some regard. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's important maybe for us to, you know, th- th- this episode is not just about growing leaders, but it's also about the investment of a pastor in the lives of the people that they love and that they want to develop. And so, you know, my question for you is based on on this um how does this concept of vigilance and scriptural concept affect the way that you develop men in your ministry? How does, it, how does it affect the way you engage with them and train them? And you've alluded to some things, but I'd like to hear very specific things. Um, make it as pragmatic as, as possible in terms of the way in which you've chosen to develop and, and make this investment. Well, and I think for me, one of the things I'm looking for is, is not only men who can see how, you know, they not only see that there's a problem, but they're, they're looking for ways in which they can help. Mm-hmm. Many people can see the problem. You know this. There's many people oh, yeah, who can yeah, critique. Yeah. Yeah, we live in a society of critics. It, it's it's so easy to be critical of right. of the problems of the church. I'm not looking for critics. They have well developed opinions, like because oh. they've looked because they've been trained to psychoanalyze everything. Yeah, and so they could tell you what the problem is, and they could tell you ten different ways it needs to be solved. But you know, I, I'm looking. To? So so great, you can see it. I'm looking for for men who can help. That they're not aloof. They're they're locked in, and they're looking for ways that they mm-hmm. can be a benefit to the body. And so I think that's a that's an important thing. Acts 20, you know, verses 28 through 31 is, I think it's a great passage. It says, and th- you're speaking of like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Okay. And what would I recommend? Like, how do I instruct the next generation? Take heed therefore unto yourselves first and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Right, all the things that we've been talking about, we don't have to say it again. But mm-hmm. we've been made overseers to feed the church of God, which He hath purchased with His own blood. For I know this that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise. Of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, what? Mm-hmm. Watch. All these things are going to happen. Paul's given this warning, and he says, listen, even from the outside and from it, from within, you're going to have individuals who are going to cause divisions within the body of Christ. Because of that, you need to watch. Mm-hmm. You need to watch. And remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Yeah. Proverbs 27, 23, be thou diligent, diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. Mm. It's just such a, I mean, it's a, it's an important thing. And, and so I think, and it's not the issue of like, you know, and I think it's unfair, you know, I'm not asking my guys to be mind readers. Mm-hmm. And the older I get and, and the more I've been in ministry, you know, when I was younger, I, I used to think, yeah, I have real discerning spirit and I can, mm-hmm. you know, well, that was just pride. And, and honestly, it was probably because I hadn't really gone through anything. Yeah. The problems that I went through were, were 
pretty simple. They had easy solutions. <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah, I'm really, I got this figured out. Yeah. And the older I get, there's so many times I'm like, God, without you, I can't do oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not asking my guys to be mind readers or like, why didn't you see that? I saw that. They're not going to see it like I see it. Right. I'm the pastor. Yeah. But I am hoping that they're, well, they're just paying attention. Like they're, they're paying attention. They're awake. They're alert. They're, um, they're, they're probing. They're probing. Yes. And, yeah. and, they're, and, and, and I'll say it. It's like, do you care enough to watch? Even before we do, like just, do you care enough to watch? And, and there's three words that I, that I think of is like, are, do you care enough to watch for patterns you know, with people like, man, they haven't been here for like a month or, mm. or do you notice how he's talking yeah. to his wife Yeah. or man, look at the situation with this family, man, they're going through something. Are, do you care enough? Yeah. So when you're, when you're at the church building and, and I'm saying this, I'm, I'm speaking actually of our times of gathering mm. when you're just with the saints, do you care enough to watch? And I'm not talking about wallflower, mm. but I'm saying while you're in conversation, I'm talking to you, I'm kind of, I'm kind of looking to. Yeah. And, 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 do you care enough to look for patterns? Yeah. Do you care enough to 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 look for for problems? Because if if I'm not looking for problems, you know, I'm probably not going to see them. And it's not like I'm trying to pull them out and and see all of them. Lord knows I'd have my hands full then. But do I care? Yeah. Do I care enough to to watch for them? Because typically, this is how it goes. Typically, when someone sees a problem, we go. Yeah. We go in the other direction. Or we go and, get the pastor. Right. <laughs> Like, ooh. And, and it's like, man, you've gone through discipleship one, you've gone through foundations two and three. Uh, and, and there might be a need for me to be involved. Yeah, maybe. How about you take a stab at it? Yeah, like, right. Like, you know, Give it a crack. So, so I'm looking for, do you care enough to watch for patterns in the church? Do you care enough to watch for, for problems? And do you care enough to watch for predators? Mm. Patterns in people's lives? Problems? And predators, mm. people who are who are there. There's a lion yeah. lurking. Yeah, with mixed motives. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I need help with that. Mm-hmm. We all do. Yeah. There's there's over a hundred people. There's some some churches, two hundred, three hundred, six hundred, eight hundred people in these yeah. churches. And yeah. And I know we have multiple pastors, but but that's a tough job. Yeah. Do you care enough to watch for the patterns, the 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 problems, and the predators? Mm-hmm. Uh, because all three are present. Uh, ultimately, you know, what we're talking about is going from being the watched, being the sheep to becoming the shepherd, mm-hmm. you know, moving from a place of being watched to wa- actually watching and observing. And, um, you know, when you were talking about those things, it's it's uh, necessary to not draw any um, conclusions. I think about Eli and the conclusions he drew about Hannah were the wrong conclusions, right? He, he passed the wrong judgment, but he was watchful. He was mm-hmm. there. He, he, but he lacked the discernment necessary to the assess the problem. Led, the, it wasn't spirit Which is led. why he had to be circumspect in his own life first, yes. which he hadn't he been. He hadn't been. His children were a mess. Like the guy was a mess. So, so yeah, like what you're saying, I think he was the first person that came, that came to mind. No, but he's a good one. He's, yeah. And, and, but ultimately what we need is people who are willing to, to, to go and, okay, there's a, pro- there's a problem here. Okay. There's a problem with this person. There's an issue. I can see it's in their countenance. 
Their, their countenance is apathetic. Their countenance is, is low. It's sad. It's, their countenance is angry. There's something off. I can see something's off. I'm going to go, I'm going to go get closer to them. I'm going to get in proximity mm -hmm. in order to properly assess what's really going on here. I'm going to ask questions the way Christ would. I'm going to ask questions to get at the bottom. I'm going to help them discover what the real problem is. And then together we are going to assess it or, or, Hey, this guy's been showing up, but I noticed I, I, he's not talked to any of the men in this ministry this mm -hmm. week. I don't really know this guy, but he shows up and he's he seems to be talking to all the single girls in the church. That seems off. Yeah, man, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go talk to this guy. I'm not gonna go report him to someone else. I'm gonna go talk to him and find out what his motives are. I'm gonna get to the bottom of his motives. But but I'm already tired. I've, <laughs> right. I've yeah. preached a, a 45 to 55, or you know, sometimes longer yeah. message. Yeah. Uh, and and so you know, I'm, and you know, this isn't my heart, but but you can play it out. I just want to relax, or maybe you've taught twice, right? And and so now you've been speaking for about you know two hours of, of speaking in between. You've been speaking for about an hour, three hours straight. You're you're mentally done. I'll tell you though, as God gives you ability, as you have opportunity, it is our desire, it is our privilege, it is our right and responsibility to engage. Yes, we yeah. have to engage. Yeah, yeah. Um, and especially, and and the, the whole point of this is especially when we're meeting. Mm -hmm. Now, this whole conversation, we could go in a whole different direction in, in just our daily life, you know, and, and that's that's needful. But my heart, at least the conversation we were having is, is for my men that, that and for our leaders that even after, yeah, you're tired, you just want to go home, you want to get lunch, all these things, man, keep going. Yeah, when like, the church is assembled, engaging. it's such a critical time. You know, I, I was talking to a young man, we got lunch a couple months ago, new, just now in discipleship, but he's been in church a long time. He's got leadership written all over him and he's an introvert. And so I noticed like his first few weeks in the college and young adult ministry, first few months, he was getting up, looking around, you know, took notes diligently through the whole service, right? Like he's in, locked in. He's one of those guys that when you're preaching- Yeah, you, you, you want to keep looking at him. You want to look at him. You're like- Because it's motivating. What, what he's right down there. Yeah. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. But he, you know, he gets up, he looks around and he leaves. And so when I met with him, I said, hey, bro, I need you, I need you to learn to lead. And what that means is that you've got to walk around and you've got to shake the hedges and bushes and see what comes out. You got to, you have to kick the tires. You, you got to walk around that. You've got to work that room. That's the first thing I need you to learn how to do because I want you to discover where the problems are. And I want you to see if you can, if you can meet the needs of people. You can't do that yeah. unless you are doing the work of watching, if you're being vigilant yeah. over the flock. And what's a pattern? Something that repeats. Yeah. A, a pattern isn't a one-off. Right. And so he can't just do that one week. Mm. It's that this Sunday, the next Sunday, and then he comes back to you because he's still a growing leader and he might not know exactly how to articulate or, or, or even handle the situation. Mm -hmm. He says, hey, Brandon, um, I noticed yeah. um, over the last couple of weeks that this person is kind of, they've been by themselves. I've been trying to engage them, but mm -hmm. I've noticed that. You don't notice that one week. You don't. No. You yeah. see that over a period of time. Right. And so you see that pattern, which then he presents the problem, right? And then from that, he, he you know, can recognize areas of concern. Now it's not necessarily a predator issue, but but an, uh, it could mm -hmm. be predatory mm -hmm. in the person's heart and mind. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's something that, that and we're not asking our, our growing leaders to be mind, mind readers, just that they right. would engage yeah. and be available, yeah. know their surroundings, know the state of the flock, so important. You know, I, I would say also 
um, we've been speaking of, of counseling, spiritual needs. We've been talking about uh, problems that can arise uh, in the body of Christ. But I'll tell you, um, I'm also looking to see whether or not my growing leaders, uh, they're going to see the trash that's lying in the corner. Mm-hmm. Some of our guys, they say God has called me, they, they say that, that God is calling me to be a missionary, calling me to be a church planter. And, yeah. and I, listen, <laughs> I believe him. Why would I not? I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to discourage that. I'm excited for them, uh, but but when I when I think about that, and you know, and I, I look at the the building God blessed us with, and the times I stay an hour later, and I'm picking up trash, and and I'm fine with it. Like that's a that's a gift. Sure, that's a gift. Okay, right. and I'm gonna do that until the day I die. I, I pray. Yeah, but I'm looking for the guys that see that the chairs need to be picked up. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for the the gum wrapper that just got thrown on the ground, right. the old bulletin that was that wasn't used this day. What are we are we going to toss that? Or are we just going to leave it in the chair? We're just yeah, going to leave it. In the someone chair. else will take care of it, and someone else will take care Which of it. Which is and what so, followers do, not leaders, right? Hey, did you see the church is kind of a mess recently? Mm, yeah, <laughs> like, like yep, it yeah. sure is, isn't it? Yeah, you know where the broom closet is, bro. Exactly, <laughs> and so that might sound. Petty, but I'll tell no, you, huge. I'll tell you, like now I'm on the opposite side of, of I was a part of an established church. I was part of a, a, a church plant with Midtown, not at the very beginning, mm-hmm. um, but now as the pastor at Living Faith, you you can't just be super spiritual all the time. Sometimes you just got to look and see this place is a mess. Like the the windows look look dirty with fingerprints right. of kids all over them, or or the trash hasn't been taken out, or we need to sweep or vacuum. Chairs are kind of disheveled, and we got about an hour before service. Okay, well, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And, and I'm not, like, making sure everyone can see me. Mm-hmm. See the pastor doing this or, like, oh, humble me. Mm-hmm. It needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And so th- there's something there where I'm, I'm looking. How do you right. leave your room after you use your, you know, yeah. the classroom that you're using? How, do, how is it left? Is the trash taken out? Yeah, we were, we were always taught. Oh, yes. That you leave it nicer, you leave it cleaner then, then, yes. than what it was when you came in. That's the, our pastor always taught us that. Yeah. And I, and I wonder if we're reproducing that, you know, it's- Well, it's I'm good. trying to. We're but, trying, but, yeah. Um, maybe I just need Sam to come. Right. To Actually, no, that'd be bad. <laughs> we but, just, we, there's an aspect of this, there's a lot of repetition and, and reminding people, but- Are but you willing to point, keep your home though, It has too. to be in your heart. Yes. It has to be in your own heart. Well, and, and it is in your own heart, and I'll tell you, it's in mine, because- that that building, it's just it's just a building, but that building's our home. Yeah, that's where we meet. Yeah, so I take a lot of pride in that building. Man, there's so many problems with it, and we're constantly trying to address different things. And half the time, it's like, oh man, Lord, yeah, I'm sorry, but that's like my home. And and so, and I'm speaking physically as well well as spiritually. This is where we meet together. Mm. And so, I think when you have the heart of a church planter or as a missionary, it just it's just different. Mm-hmm. It just sits different. Yeah. And I'm looking for those things. I'm looking for the the, the small things um, in their lives because if they're not doing it now, well, it's going to be hard for them to see the need then, right. which will be a deterrent. Yeah. It will be a deterrent to, to ministry. Mm. So. so so vigilance, um, it makes you observant. We've covered that. It makes you observant, aware. It makes you soul conscious as a leader. You 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 go beyond just the surface. You're looking and probing to to know more about the people that you're invested in or, or or in proximity to. But vigilance goes beyond, you know, your your present interactions, but it also affects your eschatology, which yeah. maybe is a is a strange turn in the conversation. 
Um, but it affects your outlook on eternity future. Right. And I think that that's a really important aspect of vigilance. Can, can you explain how vigilance causes a spiritual leader to look ahead, uh, to consider the coming of Christ and, and the judgment seat and how all of these things are interrelated with one another? Yeah. And, and I'm, I don't think it's gonna be hard for me to present it. I mean, okay. like you said, it, it's, and I think it's easier, but not only should we be watchful of our environment, mm-hmm. I think that's understood. We, we, we looked biblically at that, that as we engage with the body of Christ or even whatever scenario, our families, our workplace, we need to be aware of our environment, um, watchful for the souls that God has entrusted to us. We're watchful. Uh, we, we are looking within. We're, we're, we're taking an account, careful consideration of where we are with the Lord. So we're watchful internally. There's an observational aspect, but we need to be watchful looking towards his return. Mm. And, you know, First Thessalonians, this is another long passage, but First Thessalonians 5, verses 1 through 9 says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all children, the children of, of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Watch mm. for what? Yeah. The coming of Christ, mm-hmm. the, the day of the Lord. Like, and so when you say we need to be vigilant, we need to be watchful of our surroundings, of our environment, of the state of the flock, of ourselves, biblically speaking, it says that we need to be watchful as we look to that day. Mm-hmm. It says in verse seven, for they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, yeah. but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation sixteen fifteen, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth. Mm-hmm. The context is telling us clearly that mm-hmm. vigilance is not just of the present day, not of the flock only, not of yourself, but of of his coming. Yeah. I'm looking towards that day. When you know dad's coming home soon. Big time. It affects the way the house looks when he gets there. You know, and I think that that's a that's a big deal. And I think it's we we when we're talking about what do we observe in leaders, um ultimately if they have the perspective that Christ is returning soon and yes. that he's going to judge what he finds, it begins to transform the way that they approach that's the exactly flock. Right. And, and I, think, I think that's what's critical. That's, the, that's one of the things that we need to see in men and, and women who are growing leaders is that they have great concern of what Christ thinks. So we could have we reverse engineered this or, or yeah. we could have started here. Yeah. And maybe we were practical and we became more doctrinal and, and, and the, the overarching theme of like, he's coming again. Mm-hmm. We could have started there, but, but I think... It's good that we save it to this point too to say, listen, yeah, it, all of those things are important. But again, if I'm not aware, if I'm not alert, if I'm not looking for that day, it's nighttime, yes, but I'm a child of, of the day. I'm yeah. a child of light. Mm-hmm. I'm ready for it. That, that affects me. That changes the way I lead. It changes the way I live. I'm looking towards that day. I'm watchful. I'm observant. And because I know that that day is a day of judgment. Yeah. That day is a day of judgment. And I'm aware of that, which then allows me to have a better warning ministry and ministry to my growing leaders so that they're aware of it as well. Right. It's, it's, and so it's just such an incredible thing that as I watch my own behavior, right, 
And, and as I'm watchful for that day, I can then minister to the, my, in my surroundings and the flock of God in a much more profound way mm-hmm. because I'm vigilant. Yeah, that's really good. Because I'm vigilant. Second Timothy 2, 4, uh, I'm sorry, 4 through 8. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Mm-hmm. that we're looking forward to Hebrews 10, 24, 25. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. So there's this aspect of assembling mm-hmm. as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Yeah. there's a, And so I, as a pastor, I need to be watchful of that day. We, we, we've heard this, we know this, but that's vigilance. As we close, I want to you know, pretend for a moment that the audience of the show are your, just your young men and women who are growing in their leadership, right? Um, growing leaders. What do you say to them? Like if you could instruct them directly, what do you say to them at, from a pastoral perspective um, that would encourage them or admonish them to, to live an, a vigilant life? Mm-hmm. I mean, you've already done a lot of that, but just to summarize, like help, help us to understand, like if you, were, if you were to address an individual directly, how do you call them to this kind of living? Well, and, and we talked on our way home from the retreat, you know, as we were driving back from, from Arkansas and just the burden I had, especially in regards to, you know, future church plants and, mm. and how living faith could be a, a, um, a ministry that, that is sending out new works. We're not going to be able to do that if we're not training up vigilant men mm. who are aware of their surroundings, aware of their own personal walk with God, aware of the state of the flock, they're looking for patterns, problems, and, and, and predators. We're just not gonna do it. Yeah, You could be the best teacher and preacher, you could be gifted, and you might be really used here at Living Faith in some particular role, but I'll say for those young men and, and the people who, are, who are, feel that burden, um, you, better, you better have a focus on this quality. Yeah. If you want to be a church planter, if you want to be a missionary, because otherwise you're going to make your life very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's a warning is too strong of a word, but but I'm just I, I I care for their soul. I don't want them to go through a lot of pain and and miss a critical aspect of what it means to pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to be aware. They have to be alert. It saves you time with counseling. You know, it doesn't mean it escapes you from the responsibility, but you can beat people to the punch if, mm-hmm. if you know the, the enemy is approaching because yeah. you've been looking for patterns and problems and the predators or the predatory thoughts. You're able to, to save people from a lot of hurt, yeah. which then makes the ministry not easier, I guess, but, but we can get further in the mission mm-hmm. um, quicker. So yeah. I don't know, man, there, there's a lot of ways I could answer that. But right, but I think that's good. I think it's good. I have a burden for it, though. Yeah, and I think... You know, maybe vigilance to some degree requires wisdom. You know, to be effective in your vigilance requires wisdom. And I think that requires, I think that requires, you know, knowledge and understanding. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that there's a lot that people just have to learn. They have to keep learning and they have to be okay when a pastor says, hey, um, this is what I need you to learn. Yes. This is the area of weakness. This is the area you, you need to, there's some, there's some basic principles. There's some basic doctrines that you need to get down. There's some I- issues that need to be addressed before, before we could ever even, cons- before we have a conversation about promoting you or considering you for the field, we have to, young people have to be open to that level of loving 
um, that loving re- reproof. Yeah. Well, and and you won't miss a vigilant person in your church. Mm-mm. Like you, you won't miss them their their service to the Lord. Right. Because they're in the fray. Right. They're in it all. The vigilant people that are at Midtown, at Living Faith, or in the, in the Living Faith Fellowship churches, you know, oh, I just don't know if my pastor sees this or that. We'll see you. Mm-hmm. Now, now, if you're just wanting to do these, these this mechanistic way of living Christianity, yeah, we yeah. might miss that. Yeah. Um, if you're just doing all the things that you're told to do, but but. Well, we know we know. Th- you we, can, you just can't miss it. Yeah, we we might miss the great speakers. You know, we might not see that gift. We might there's little there's little things that we might miss, but a pastor never misses the person that's vigilant. They no, see it, they observe it, they see it, they know it, they feel it. They can feel it. They, there's a sense at which they can feel the effects, the ripple effects of someone being vigilant in the ministry at the same capacity and level of ownership that they themselves and are. And they're the it people that we everyone. pray over in our even alone. Yes. God, what are you doing? Yeah. Because yeah. I want to be cognizant of that. I don't yeah. want to miss that, Lord. Right. What are you doing in this person's yeah. life? Yeah, that's good. Dan, thank you. Um, good conversation. I really hope it profits um, our growing leaders, uh, the ones in your church, the ones in my church, the ones in all the churches represented in the uh, Living Faith Bible Institute. Um, I'm grateful for you. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. so glad that you're the one teaching the pastoral epistles class, and I'm going to advocate for everybody to to take that class. Yeah, it's it's a good time. Yeah. 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 Good time. Love you, bro. Love you too. And we love you. And we're so thankful for the time that you spent with us today. Uh, hopefully this was challenging to you. I mean, it was kind of a tough conversation. I don't know if you you felt that when you were listening, you could sense that Dan and I were talking really about you. So uh, whoever you are out there listening. Um, and uh, and you should recognize no, no matter who you are, man or woman, whatever stage of development or growth that you're at, that you recognize a need to be fully devoted to the hard work of knowing yourself and knowing people and being willing to, to do the messy work of ministry. It's not always pretty. It's very hard sometimes, but uh, is, it, is it worth it? Is it profitable? Are you doing it to serve the king? Are you doing it because of a coming kingdom? Do you have the right motives, the right purposes behind what you do in ministry? These are really tough questions that only you and the Lord can work through, uh, but we would like to stand with you. And so if you're interested in learning more about God's word and growing in your ministry leadership development, uh, check out lfbi.org. Uh, we have a 60 credit hour program, $40 a credit hour. It's as inexpensive as you possibly make it, um, trust me. And, uh, and we want you to be a part of what we're doing. We want you to serve in your local church and join us in your theological and, uh, and ministerial development. Um, we would love to see you in our classes. But uh, check out lfbi.org, learn more about what we're doing. We love you. We're grateful for the time that you spent with us today. And we can't wait to spend more time with you again next week for another episode of The Postscript. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Postscript. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review in order to help other people find our podcast. If you value this show, Please help us continue creating content by supporting Living Faith Bible Institute at lfbi.org support.